Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Discussing topics of personal growth, gathering stories of individuals embarked on the path to success, and most importantly, providing a platform for individuals that want to learn and grow. And now, here are your hosts, Jake Ingledew and John Mitchell. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 417- Two nine five zero seven two three. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Growth Circle Podcast. I'm super excited about today. We're gonna jump right into it because I don't want to waste any time because we have some high caliber people here with us today. We got uh, Hugh Carnahan. Did I say it right, Carnahan? You did. Okay, good. The Hillbilly Millionaire and not Don, but Dane. They were just on our last hey. last podcast. <laughs> uh, Dane, what's your last name again? Logan. Logan. That's that's easy. We'll just call him Mr. Logan. Uh, here with us today, and they're going to talk to us about uh, two-second lean, which is basically a system um, for growth, uh, employee development. Uh, what else would you call it? Two-second lean is the secret weapon if you're an entrepreneur that you didn't know about that should guide everything you do, and it'll give you 60% more of your time and effort, or, uh, your time back without any more effort or cost. Wow. That's a great summary. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah, huge. Thanks take, for coming take, on, guys. Take take it off. Thanks dude. for having me. <laughs> what's two What's two second lean? Uh, just let's start from the beginning. What is it? So two second lean started by a guy by the name of Paul Akers, and he took lean manufacturing. Some of you guys may have heard of Six Sigma, which I'm not a big fan of. And what that is is he took the lean principles and he applied it to lean. What happened was. Uh, Fat cats in the 80s got a hold of this lean teaching, brought it to the United States, harvardized it, and then made it a product to sell. And so everything became about selling the service of consulting. Uh, Well, Paul Akers basically took that and said, nah, let's apply lean to this lean. And he came up with something that a dumb old hillbilly like me in Missouri, my minimal education and my no spelling can understand. And so I took that and applied that kind of uh, uh, worldwide. And that's kind of the history behind it. Dane, you have anything there? Well, I mean, originally, it was us, right? It was Edward Deming. He was the smart guy after World War II, went over and helped Japan rebuild their economy by using lean principles. So that's the real foundation. Well, the Japanese, in the Japanese fashion, perfected the hell out of it and created Toyota and some of these huge, huge manufacturing giants and excellency. I mean, everything they do is pretty remarkable. And Hughes had a chance to be on site in Toyota and Lexus and some of these plants in Japan. So he'll talk more about that. But essentially, we then inherited it back and we're like, oh, it's about efficiency. It's about uh, getting the most out of people that we can. And they missed the most fundamental um, element, which was building people. It's the culture. So Paul Akers was like, hey, that's kind of an important deal. Uh, Two Second Lean is 100% founded on culture building. So that's that's a big yeah, the, the funny thing that Paul likes to point out to people is that we as Americans, as the United States, we taught 
this. It actually started a little bit further back with uh, Benjamin Franklin. And, um, and then, so we brought it to the Japanese. It's actually what ha- helped us win World War II. And then immediately when World War II was over, uh, the United States immediately reverted back to mass production and bas- batching. And, and lots of waste. And lots of waste. And lots we lost all the things that actually won us the war. The Japanese took it and were like, whoa, these guys kind of kicked our butts a little bit, but we can do, make it better. And, and, and so many of the things that um, we look up to Japan, we actually created, then we forgot. <laughs> then we inherited it back and then immediately try to change what was awesome about it back you know, in the you know, classic way. And so a two-second lean is the flavor that says, hey, lean is about developing people. It's about the culture. The byproduct is efficiency, low effort, super and it's going to sound really strange to any listeners out there especially if you a work at a company or b own a company everyone shows up every day and they're like i cannot wait to go to work i love working here and that's extremely weird so weird that it sounds like bs yeah so so, so what what's the so if you if you could what's the key principles of lean i think like what's the what's the main points of lean why should people have developed the the concept of lean so the so I think those are two questions. I'll go the, the gist of it. So here's the secret sauce. I'm going to get right into it. Take notes, everybody. You might got mi- my note in, You might I miss know. it. We have a forced, uh, the first part of the day, no one is allowed to work. You cannot work. You can only make an improvement that can make your own job easier. If you're in the office, you don't check an email. You can make a template. If you're on the factory floor, the, you know, or you're in the workshop or you're in a pickup, you clean your pickup out or you label something. All right, so step one, we have 30 minutes of our time dedicated to that every morning. Then we have a 30 to 40 minute uh, morning meeting where we don't talk about work. We just talk about improvements. Hey guys, I did this. We share videos. That is led by the employees and it rotates every single day. Then after that, we repeat it every day. That's it. Wow. It sounds so uh, counterintuitive because when you're saying, like, don't work, yeah. we're not focusing on – because, like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners are always putting out fires. So it's like we're stopping and not putting out fires. It, se- it seems so counterintuitive. You're right. And the reason why they're putting out fires all the time is because they don't stop to think ever. They're always fighting a fire. And you guys hired all your employees – specifically so you wouldn't have to do the work and the more employees you hire most entrepreneurs find themselves in the situation that now all of a sudden the more work they have and that was that's a direct byproduct of of that and i'll clarify something i said it's not that you don't work it's that you don't do any work value added activities you your work during that time is to make an improvement that is is your job your goal, your purpose during that time is to make an improvement. That is what is expected of you. The byproduct later throughout the day is your value-added uh, contribution to the customer, the end goal to the customer. But you can't help the customer if you don't help yourself first. And that's kind of the, one of the foundation principles. Is it easy to implement all that with a small crew or like a small, like let's say you had one employee. Could you implement that with one employee? Or is it, is it tougher with less or tougher with more or? I'm going to pull on Jim Collins, A Simple Path to Wealth, and say, um, do you have the right employees in the bus? Um, so the answer is generally, 
it's much more difficult with more people. It's not impossible. I know I'm working with a guy, Alex Ramirez, who works for a massive oil and gas company, 16,000 employees. Holy man. Um, and he's doing an incredible job just knocking it out of the park with them. Um, I've been a part of maybe six um, really successful transformations, companies from 30, you know, five employees to, to 60 employees, and I've been a part of one massive failure. And, um, and that was a company about 60 employees. So it really depends. But to answer your question, I am that one employee. <laughs> <laughs> I came here from Japan because he convinced me to start the lean company with him. So it was just us in the beginning, literally Hugh and I for six months wow. ish. Probably and, so. And he had to kind of hand feed me what lean is, how it works, how we want to build the foundation to grow from where we would add the next person and the next person. So then effectively I started training that next person and handing down that kind of same wisdom, right? That same knowledge. And it's, and it's easier. It's more difficult is the owner's resolve to say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going down this path. If you don't like that, you can go find another company that you can work at that will pay you to not do what that is asked of them. And most of the time, any new employee after you're on the path to lean does not fight it. It's all the existing employees that were there. If they weren't the right people on the bus or they weren't the right people in the right seats in the bus, sometimes you'll get a fair amount of pushback. It's can you have enough grit as the owner to make it through the three to six month transition period? And can you handle all the turnover that comes in? That's the Achilles heel of two second lean is most companies out there don't have the right people on the bus. Well, so, yeah, because starting from the beginning is easy. If, if you're building it, people come in only knowing that. And new people that we've experienced, uh, that we've introduced Lean to, they're actually excited because they're like, oh, a company likes my ideas. And yeah. this is kind of cool to see the things I came up with being put into practice immediately. Why Two-second two Lean helps you to sh show that you care about people and value that you value them. It's about respecting people's ideas. Human beings are, cr are incredibly creative. Everyone, the most boring person you've ever met is incredibly creative. But they've grown up in a system that basically is you sit there, you do what you're told, and do not think. It's my job to think as your manager. And that is wrong fundamentally. So it's how do you draw that creativity back out of them? Because at, at the beginning, it can be very difficult. But I've had some of the biggest pains become some of the, the most staunch supporters once they saw the light and they realized that you're not pulling their leg or once they – genuinely internalize that it's so much better for them so let's let's back up here for a second so i'm gonna do a summary and you tell me if i'm right or wrong but two second lean is all about continuous improvement and helping your people build the culture of becoming problem solvers right that's is that sort of, i mean sort of what it is that's correct i can sum it up in a sentence lean is about developing people okay period all the other things are tools that you use to develop your people when you, if you're a business owner or you're the manager of a team, your job is to develop your people. That's it. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. Your job is to develop your people. If you think like that and you develop your people, your people will go out and they will take the bull by the horns. They will dominate the work that you were always the person that was fighting the fires. Now, all of a sudden, they feel empowered. They have the authority. They have your backing. And you just say, well, I don't know, Jim. How would you handle that situation when really before they might say, hey, boss, I don't know what to do. And you say, 
all right, Jim, do it like this, 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 and then call me. And, and you got to turn that on its head. When you say, Jim, I'm developed you. You've done such a good job before. How would you handle it? All right. And if they don't give you the correct answer, then maybe ask them questions to lead them to it. You continue to develop them. When they arrive at the answer that you wanted in the first place, you say, Jim, that's an incredible job. I would absolutely try that. Try that. Let me see how it goes. Good luck. And then support them and cheerlead them on. Your job is to develop and encourage them. And, and that's all your job is. Why do you see pushback? Because to me, it, it, all this makes sense and it would make, you know, your current employees feel good. Why would you see pushback from, from employees that you already had on when you're transitioning into lean? Usually you're going to have, um, people in the boomer and Gen Z, not Gen Z, uh, Gen X, mm-hmm. uh, age range that when, when they were young, young men and women in the eighties, tw- uh, sure. um, it, management was very like, you do what I tell you to. And when I'm in, you know, and don't think it's like, you're not being paid to think you're being paid to pour this molten aluminum or whatever it is <laughs> like, like, no, Oh, I'm, I'm, and they had their entire life crushed and their, their hopes and dreams. So now they're salty about it. And their mission in life is to uh, kind of, you know, haze the freshman coming in, if you will. <laughs> yeah, well, and some people just show up for a paycheck. They're like, I don't really care about all that cultural stuff. I'm here to do my job and I'm going to go home. And that's really, you know, kind of their attitude. So you have a lot of people who've been doing something for 30 years and they're like, I don't want to learn a new system. Uh-huh. This is just crap. And I don't want to be all in and clock out. Yeah, I don't want to be enthusiastic about crap and make improvements. Yeah. You know? Who's this 25 year old coming in that thinks that he knows anything, you know, about <laughs> this, you know? I've been doing pest control since before you were since 20 years before you were born, and so you get you get a lot of that. And then the other big thing is a lot of the times you're not going to have givers on the bus. You're going to have takers, like you said. They're they're the punching the clock and and punch out. And um, and you're also going to have we have so many pest control places to get to, and you're going to tell us that we are going to take an hour and a half of our day and not get to those pest control places. They just don't fundamentally, they have not played connect, connect the dots to realize the reason you are so backed up is because of inefficient process throughout the day. Uh, we actually had a hilarious example at our morning meeting uh, this morning that we can go into, but a gentleman left his tools at, uh, at uh, a work site overnight. And then the next day they were gone. And so it led to this massive thing where now we're like, oh my gosh, someone broke in the building. Let's figure out how they did that. Let's screw stuff in. Let's screw screws into the walls or, or screw the door shut. And then, okay, we'll reimburse him for his tools. What did he have missing? And so we get to the end of the day and someone, and, and someone texts and they're like, oh yeah, uh, the cleaners were by and they, 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 put the t- they thought they were going to get stolen. So they, they cleaned and they packed them and they put them in the drawer. <laughs> and you guys just had all this waste just to try to figure out what, what happened to the tools. The whole day, whole, <laughs> actually a two day thing. And the whole thing, we almost bought it. Luckily we found out before we bought it. And the whole thing was because of that. But that's actually what's going on in your construction company, John, and, right. and Jake, in your pest control company. You, it's not, oh, hey, where's the, t- the the battery? It's that your guy didn't know where to find uh, the battery charger. And so now he looks for 20 minutes. Then he comes and finds you. Then you stop whatever you were doing, and then both of you go look for the battery. Yeah. And, and then... Then a company memo goes out, and yeah. then, yeah. and then it just compounds itself yeah. over time, and, and that's what people actually do when they think they're, oh my gosh, we got to get these, you know, nine orders filled. No, well, the real thing is you're spending your time thinking you're doing work, but you're not. So instead, uh, if your readers have read two books, one is Miracle Morning, 
Love that book. Great book. And another one is Atomic Habits. Another great book. Two Second Lean is a miracle morning for your company that incorporates a mechanized Atomic Habits. That's all it is. And so for those of you who have read those books, um, it should start to really make sense. Uh, it's a framework that basically builds things in perpetuity, except for, for the human being, you know, we'll live 80 years, uh, you know, or, you know, hundred years maybe, but your company might live hundreds of years. And so imagine all the compounding, uh, 1% incremental improvements yeah. that you have. And that's, and I'll, some other books that I think teach the same principles, like compound effect, slight edge. Don't know if you've read those or not, but it's continuously doing consistently and continuously doing those small little things that eventually compound itself. You might not see results right at first, but eventually you're going to see huge results. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll have like Western management style or lean and Kaizen and all this stuff that you'll hear, um, you know, for six Sigma. And they're going to emphasize uh, what's called a Kaizen event. Um, and a Kaizen event is where you pause the whole company and you do this big thing with fanfare. And, and I'm not saying that's not effective. It is very effective. Uh, but that became a tool to sell um, to companies. Hey, hire me. I'll come to a Kaizen event with you. And maybe they have incredible results. My mm -hmm. biggest one was I took something from 22 days to three hours. It saves that company $7 million a year every year forever. Wow. That's a Kaizen event. But that event pales in comparison to the hundreds of thousands of micro improvements that happen for 15 minutes or for 30 minutes a day over 350 workers in China. Uh, you know, our manufacturing plants that they cleaned, that they labeled things hundreds of times. Someone later, weeks later would go and they get to reap the benefits of a label being clearly defined. Oh, these are the screws I was looking for. Wow. You can't stack it up. It is improbable. Like it, it, it's, it, it's very, very difficult to, to stack up the progress. Let's talk about implementing two second lane. Now let's talk about, and like, cause there's eight areas of waste, right? Can you talk about that and like how to get people to, I, I guess it's to get, get your employees to ask the question, like what's bugging you, what's slowing you down, like what's one little improvement you can make? Yeah. Can you kind of talk to that? Hugh can talk about his waste all day. So it's a good question. <laughs> Go ahead, Hugh. So let's talk about a story or, 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 or we'll kind of back it up. Have you ever been talking to a buddy and your buddy would tell you a story? And then you were actually the person who told him that like two weeks prior. <laughs> and you're like, man, I was who told you that. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why is because your, your buddy did not remember who told it or even what room they heard it in, but they remember the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to weaponize that. Uh, you, you go to ancient cultures. You have the elders passing knowledge down via stories to mm -hmm. people. It's because humans are pretty dumb. And we really can take a story away because it paints a vivid picture in our mind. Which is interesting because think about the Bible. That's a lot of its parables or stories. It's, that are, it's only stories. Yeah. And so people can be like, oh, yeah, you know, Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the fish and yeah. whatever. And, yeah. that, and now you're going to remember that. Yeah. It's all passed down. So what you want to do is you want to weaponize that ability for humans to learn via stories. And you're going to do the eight-way story. And so the eight-way st story I can give you an example one. Um, we can pick, uh, pick, pick, pick markers something. Markers aren't hung up. Okay, we got markers. All right, so in this room, you guys can't see, but imagine there's a whiteboard behind me here, and there's a bunch of, uh, there's five markers that are, that are there. All right, so here's the eight-way story. It's going to be about the markers. So the first one is overproduction. 
Overproduction doesn't mean you're not going to use all the markers. It means that you have more markers than you can use at one time. I can only use one marker at one time, so there are four counts of overproduction. Because of the overproduction, there's no transportation. Somebody had to get that those markers from wherever they were, from Walmart to this building, from this building uh, into this room, from this room out of the package, and then onto that board. In order to use it, where do the markers have to be? Right on the board. You have to lift them up and then actually write on the board. So they still have to travel up, you know, maybe 36 mm -hmm. inches or so. So here we are. That's transportation waste. Then you have inventory waste. Because you have overproduction and you had to transport them, now you have an inventory. You have an inventory of markers. I've never used those markers. I don't even know one of the tips could be dry. Um, so now you have to manage them. Have you, you know, not, not here, but some of you guys have offices, places where you'll go and you'll think that, oh, yeah, there are four markers there. But, you know, three of the four are dead and you, there's the red one and no one wants to use the red one or something like that. Yeah. So now you have inventory, which can cause defects. You don't even know if those markers are good or bad uh, or brand new. Or if you have more in a drawer somewhere, you may not even know that there's more in a drawer. So you go and order more from Amazon. They show up. Now you have an excess of markers. Then there's overprocessing. I'm sure no, none of the listeners here have been a part of a meeting where uh, you had somebody start to write on the board and it got worse and worse and worse because the markers had a defect because there was an inventory of the markers. And then they threw that one away. And then now they had to pause the meeting to go find a marker from a different room. I'm sure that's never happened to anybody here. <laughs> I've totally uh, seen that. Then you have all the motion, the human beings running around doing all of these things because of the overproduction of the markers. And then you've got waiting. Who's waiting? Well, the marker's waiting on you to use it. But really, you have a bunch of team members. And if they're having a meeting, they're probably executives or higher-ups. Now those people are waiting for you to get the marker that's not dead. And then finally, you've got the wasted employee genius which, is, oh, and then, hold on, there's one more waiting. Your customer's waiting on you guys to finish having the meeting who's waiting on the guy to go find a marker, right? So now it's all rolls back to you being able to serve the customer poorly. And then there's a wasted employee genius. That guy could have been writing when he needed to, but instead um, they were running around doing all the stuff. You also wasted all, all the time for the people that are sitting attending the meeting. So that's a great example of the eight-way story in a simplified f format. So, Holy crap. So you would look at these situations, right? Whether it's markers, by the way, how many markers you got? Oh, four. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Do they work? <laughs> we I don't hope, know, I hope right? So. <laughs> brand <Yeah>. new. <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, so to Hugh's point, every situation you come across has an eight-way story. Once you learn to see the waste, the story helps you remember them. So he could go through them like clockwork because the story helps you remember how the wastes work together. And then you can learn to calculate the motion involved, the distance involved, the waste involved, then you can start to see an improvement. Well, someone's like, what the hell am I supposed to, what the heck am I supposed to do? I have four markers, I have to use them. And I, you're telling me there's this issue, right? They could be dry, there could be defects. What's your better solution? And why does it matter? Uh -huh. It's as simple as so Dane, what, what's a better solution? And I'm going to give you guys the secret ingredient and he, <laughs> he will if there's one thing that will anger Hugh more than anything, it's going into an office or a space and seeing markers laying flat or upside down. <laughs> so he didn't notice. He didn't notice those. That's why I pointed out. But you always, always hang the markers tips down. Tips down. To keep them, keep them yeah. moist. To keep the keep ink them, yeah. all yeah. at the bottom so they work every time. And when they're out, you know they're out. You don't know. There's no like, oh, were they on their side too long? Are they dry? And you do that by a little piece of Velcro. 
stick it right to the wall next to it. You'll always have them. Strong visual control. You'll never ever be without a marker because if it's missing, you'll see it. Uh -huh. And if it's there, you'll know it's working. And it's gonna be less motion because you're not gonna have to pick from down up. Yeah, it's, you can just grab and you're there. It's always arm height. You yeah. got it. You got it. And 85% of the population is right-handed. Where should the markers be on the board? On the right side. On the right side of the board. Statistically, unless you happen to have a statistic room or, hey, this is my personal office and I'm left-handed, then you should probably plan your systems and processes around wow. there. Now, instead of reaching your arm down by uh, 19 inches, grabbing the marker, reaching your marker up by 19 inches, you can just reach your arm straight out, grab the marker, and then across. Now, that is an example of that. Now, you guys, before this meeting right now, were just like, yeah, sweet, we got a whiteboard. And you never knew any of these things that we're talking about. Yeah. But every aspect of your company has a probably multiple times worse example of exactly that. You know? I guarantee it. <laughs> Do you so walk walk through walk through the briefly go through what the eight ways are. I know you did it through story mode, but walk through that and then how do you get your people to recognize waste and train them up to learn that process or to, that storytelling? Because I'm assuming you guys are doing that in your morning meetings. Right. One of the worst ways to do it is going to be memorization or talking about it. One of the best ways is through stories and then also having them teach. So before we can go, so I'll go over the eight ways real quick and then I'll go into how we can, uh, how you can effectively teach, not just this, but anything. Um, so the eight ways are overproduction, followed by transportation, followed by inventory followed by defects, followed by overprocessing, followed by motion, followed by waiting, followed by wasted employee genius. Now, wasted employee genius is the eighth waste. However, it could also be considered the first waste because if you don't empower your employees, you're just gonna set them up for failure because they're gonna keep repeating the things over and over. So. You guys can go look that up. Um, there's a great eight-way story. You can look up Paul Aker's eight ways and, and they'll show you that. But <clears throat> how the question was, how do you teach this? All right, so during the morning meeting. All right, so step one. Every day you force everybody. They're not allowed to work. Their job is to, John, what was their job? Uh, their job, wasn't it uh, talk about how they could be better improvements? During, during Before that, during 3S time. Don't work. Don't work. Make an improvement that helps their own job. The, the requirement for the improvement is to save two seconds or less. Or sorry, or more. So that, that's sorry. <laughs> two seconds or more. So okay. that's where two-second lean comes from. Say that one more time. So don't. So their first step in the morning is don't work. Focus on how they can save two seconds or more. On their job. One thing. Now, everybody is required to make one improvement. So now they're getting the tangible benefits. Now you say, okay, well, cool. I have a label that saved me two seconds looking in this bin. Except for it saved you two seconds and every employee that you have that uses that bin two seconds for eternity. That's what actually happened. Then you talk about it. Well, during the morning meeting, that guy's going to shoot a video. He's going to share the video on the screen. Hey, here's my improvements. And I created this, um, this label. And so now you're celebrating him or her. That person is now going to share the eight-way story. And they're going to say, all right, it's about these nuts and bolts in this bin, and I labeled it. The nuts and bolts is the overproduction is, hey, I have overproduction because I can only use one bolt at a time. That means that we're not going to use all the bolts eventually, but it means that right now I can only use one at a time. So 
I have overproduction, which leads to transportation. I got to transport the bolts from this bin to the parts. Then from there, I've got inventory. Now I got to make sure there's nothing happens to these bolts. Um, and you know, nothing, nothing gets wet. They don't get corroded. All right. Then we got defects. I don't know until I try to use the bolt. Is the bolt even in spec? Then you've got overprocessing. If it is a defect, now you got to go get another bolt. Maybe it's across the room and so on and so forth through the eight way story. But you have them tell the story during the morning meeting. And that's the where the rubber meets the road. And really, what the essence is, is you have them teach the eight wastes. Every single person teaches the eight wastes over and over and over until you can't not see it now. It'll drive you insane. You'll be at home and you'll be doing something, right? Like my front entry, I completely re-envisioned the whole thing because I was like, oh, always running back to shoot on some cologne all the way in my master bedroom which is you know over 30 steps away, and then running all the way back to get my keys before I walk out. 60 steps. And I was like, why wouldn't I just put my cologne right here on my, you know, the shelf right next to my door? And that just saved me so much time and headache where I'm up and out the door in the morning so quick and with ease, right? But that's, that's the whole idea is they're teaching it. You're not, they're not memorizing posters. They're not like synergy, you know, all that stuff from eighties yeah. and nineties. So. I think I heard Paul too say in his book, um, like, you know, you know that this is working when your people are doing it at home. Oh yeah. Like that's the one way to measure it. So, so these people, so you're, so you have one employee, a different employee every day tell how they're going to improve by two seconds and then tell the eight and then, <laughs> Then tell the eight-way story. Correct. They don't just tell, they show. They so show they it. film their With actual what? improvement. Wow. And then they put it into the meeting that they're presenting. So, so you get everybody to, gets yeah. to see it on film. What if uh, you could just do this on like a, like a, what am I looking for? Zoom. You do. We do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you are a hundred percent correct. We're actually the first company who ever decentralized this type of morning meeting. And so Paul showcased kind of our organization on the uh, American manufacturing lean tour. Uh-huh. Um, to all of the companies who were thinking, how do we do this completely decentralized in multiple sites? And awesome. so it, it was, it's kind of a new side of lean, to be honest with you. you know, Jake, uh, what you had asked before is, hey, I have a, a crew and we don't know where everybody might be. We got one guy's remote and uh, we, we could have, you know, someone on three different sites that day. How do we run a morning meeting? Oh, the answer is, Everybody does their 3S time at their, their truck, right? Their, their truck is their, their workspace. Uh, you know, their tools they use, that's their workspace. Well, the requirement's still the same. Then for the morning meeting, you got a laptop with a Wi-Fi hotspot and everyone presents. And that's just the way uh, people can cycle through it. But uh, let's go through a quick teaching exercise because this is really, really critical. This is why you guys as entrepreneurs probably really know stuff and why at the same time we're frustrated that our employees don't know what we want them to know even though you told them to it to a million times so if you guys have a piece of paper or a whiteboard draw a triangle upside down where the the point of the triangle is pointed down so i'm doing this activity right now as we speak <laughs> so the very bottom of the triangle kind of close to the edge draw a line um uh, inside the triangle so you're cutting the tip of the triangle off. It'll be like a upside down, you know, food pyramid from the nineties. So the very tip, right? 10% inside that tip. Oh, oh crap. I need a bigger triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful triangle. Just really small. Man. 10%. Here we go. So 10% is what your listeners are maybe, um, uh, getting from this. Any lecture, anytime you've ever taught or told your guys something 
at best, if you're not going through a language barrier or a cultural barrier, then they at best will retain 10% of what you said. So if you really want them to get the process, you need to, they need to be, something needs to be explained to them multiple, multiple times. Now, above that, draw another line. So we're moving up the triangle. And in this one, you're gonna put 30%. 30% is engagement and discussion, which is one of the reasons why earlier I asked John, John, what do they do during a morning meeting? John now is leaving the, hey, right here, this is a lecture format and he's going into a debate and discussion. So he's got a 30% shot of retaining the information. All right, now go one line above that and write 50%. So 50%, that retention right there is hands-on work, right? You guys kind of get it. I can tell it once, show it once. Okay, they'll get it a little bit more when they show it. But it's still only a 50% shot that they're going to learn it. Here's the critical thing. At the top, write 90 to 95%. This is the last one. The last one. So this should be the um, this should be the biggest piece of the pie. This 90% is when you teach. You have 90% retention of what that thing is. Now let me ask you, Jake, why do employees or sorry, why as business owners do you guys always know how to solve the problems? Because we're always teaching our guys or right. talk, teaching them how to do it. And we've had to learn it ourselves and teach ourselves how to do it. Have you guys ever so, been in a situation where you didn't know what to do, but you were able to step in and fix it anyways? Yeah. Why? I don't know the answer Shit, to that. I don't know neither. <laughs> you, guys had, you guys had the practice. You had the practice oh. of critical thinking. And then what becomes your first job after that? Critical thinking. After critical thinking? After you solved that problem, the new thing implement it and then you would probably teach the next guy so that's why you guys are entrepreneurs statistically because it's their butt on the line right the bank's taking their house if they screw it up (laughs) we are very incentivized to problem solve and then we are really incentivized to try to teach someone else to do it so we don't have to but we never actually did a good job of that because every time we told them it's 10 percent every time we maybe showed them it's 50 percent and then we walk away and we expect them to do it so it's ineffective teaching and training of your people. Now let me ask you this question. This During is- morning meeting, when we have the guy that never got a GED, that has never been treated with respect before, and we honor his ideas by sharing with him, hey, here, uh, what did you do? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Tell us the eight-way story behind it. And, and this gentleman, or whoever this presenter would be, is presenting to the entire company. So your idea is... You're training leaders. You're training... You're essentially training them to become a leader. Yeah, to present, to lead, to like organize and discuss complex ideas and simple ideas, right? And to share, but to be celebrated, right? And But mo- most importantly, to teach. When I gave you guys this example of the whiteboard and the markers, who does that really benefit the most? It's a cool process. You're like, great, all the tips are down. This is neat. That's a process. But who yeah. does it most benefit? Well, if we go, I think two people, but if we go... Th- to the story, right? At the end of the day, it's the customer, right? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. But it also benefits the employee, right? Because it makes yeah. their job a lot easier. So now every time he walks to the whiteboard, let's say he presents constantly. He's uh-huh. someone who's up in front leading meetings and the marker's always there. It's easy to grab. He never, ever has to worry about the whole run around, find who's got uh-huh. the marker game. That benefits him. Yeah. And when that clicks in their mind, that everything that they're doing and the time that you're giving them as a company to improve is only for themselves. All of a sudden, their attitude changes. 
their work ethic changes. I mean, we use Doug as an example because that clicked early on for our maintenance guy, Doug, and everything he does is awesome. I mean, he's just so, he's so lean thinking now, he can't not think that way, and he leads a lot of our best meetings 100%. He will outthink and outlean some fancy consultant that you'll pay you know, five grand for a week to come with you, to come work on site with you. And he's just, I don't want to say this, have it come to sound off like we're putting him down. He's just a maintenance guy. That's just everybody at our company. The caliber that they produce is that. And the way we got them there is through this morning routine. How do you, how do you remember all eight ways? Like how would you ingrain that? So think of just a simple thinker. How would you ingrain all eight of those to where they think through all eight of them? Like, for your instance, with the, the bolt, how can you get them to transition into thinking about all eight versus just thinking about, like, one or two? Does that make sense? Which I know the simple answer is going to be, like, the morning meeting. Like, do the morning meeting repetition, right? Yes. But I, to what he, I think he's also trying to say is, like, say it's day one, right? You're doing the morning meeting. How are you, like, do you have a cheat sheet that has the eight yes. waste and then they're walking through the story themselves on Co- that cheat sheet? Okay. That's correct. Okay. That's, on the screen, yep. there's the, the, there's the eight waste. You can see them. You can read them off. It's not a secret. Um, but next to it is the picture of what they're talking about. So they can always reference the picture and they can always reference the cheat sheet. And have you guys ever read uh, the talent code? Mm-mm. Okay, so I well, got you guys with a book you haven't read yet. Okay, so the Talent Code, um, it's a it's a, it's not a business book. It's a book about science and it's about how the brain works and how you can be an expert uh, at process. Well, there's a process of becoming an expert at things, and it's called deep practice. But there's these things called myelin. Myelin wraps the the neurons in our brains, and the more wraps you have, the um, the faster and more accurate the firing of that neuron is. In layman's terms, it means muscle memory, but yeah. you can actually build myelin and you build myelin by deep repetition. Right. So just like atomic habits, when every single day you're doing this thing and you're associating it, everyone in the company is engaged in deep practice. And you can find out more about that in A, the talent code or B, uh, well, at one point I'll have to write this book. And, um, <laughs> but it references how myelin is built in your employees during morning meeting. Because at the very beginning, it is, hey, I just think of one or two things. I can only see one or two wastes. And after like four or five months, everyone's just like, boom, I'm right on it. I get the whole thing. It's not, can I see the waste? It's, I'm looking at this thing. How can I apply all of them? And what can I do about it? Well, it's just like driving when you're first learning to drive. Like, imagine, I mean, think back to when you first were learning how to drive. Like, Terrifying. You were stressed out. You're like, oh, I'm blinker. Like all this stuff you had to think about. And now you can like be daydreaming, no joke, and I'll somehow get to the location you were getting because, and you weren't even thinking about it or doing it because yeah. it's so ingrained in you with that muscle memory. There's something else really important to add, and this is why we call it culture building more than process building. Uh, they did an experiment in India years ago. This uh, really smart scientist said, I'm going to go put computers out into these rural villages, computers that um, have certain software and things programmed into them, and I'm just going to leave them there for the children to st- mess around with and like discover on their own with no explanation they just plugged them in put them on internet all of this stuff and they were testing to see how ingenuitive that a child's mind would be and how curious right in a group setting and then they you know did the same thing with kids in school in america and i think a few other places 
and then they check back in on them three months later just to see what they discovered on their own. And this was a pretty fascinating study. And long story short, when they went to check these groups in India, these kids that had no access to public schools or anything, they, they noticed that, one, they were speaking English. They thought that was the weirdest thing in the world. They were like, how did you guys figure out to learn English? They said, well, we realized that the language on the computer was in English, so we first had to teach ourselves English to understand it so that they could even figure out what they were looking at and then they learned how to access the internet and the internet brought them to some and then he said well tell me about uh i think it was like space engineering or something like that like Uh and they started to learn rocket science and the fundamentals of what that meant in a different language just based off of curiosity because this thing had been placed in their village that no one had ever seen before right that connected them to the world as a whole so you put people in this environment. I had the same look on my I'm face. Like, what the I- heck? That's why they're so dang good at the yeah. digital stuff and scamming you on. Un- the- <laughs> uh, right, right. They are so good. But what it comes down to is the critical element of learning these is you're learning it in a group environment. So your peers know what you don't know. Where, where you may blank out on a, a waste, and this happens all the time. You'll be like, I remember this. I'm on waste three inventory. What was next? And someone, every single time out of the group's like, oh, it's, the, it's either motion or it's, you know, defects or whatever. And then they help each other keep learning and reinforcing that knowledge That's as awesome. a group think. Yes. And, and as the leader, we've normally said, hey, here's the 10%. Go ahead and do this. Right. Or here's how you do this thing. Um, what's our job as leaders? I said it early on. To teach. Build people. To develop people. people. One of the best ways to do that, the most effective ways we can do it, is by asking questions. So in our company, none of our leaders are allowed to give answers. We can Mm. only ask questions. After the person, so we we will know the answer. We'll have to ask that person questions until they get there. Well, Mm -hmm. one, it reinforces the leader or the site lead, the team lead, who you always want to know the thing. They have to now be an expert because they're teaching via questions. Right. Then the moment that person actually completes, you, you walk the person to the, the answer, I'm going to pull some random other employee over and say, hey, Billy, awesome job with that. You figured that out. That's incredible. I want you to teach Jim what you just learned by only asking questions. And now you're going to do that. If you've got a weak person, like someone who's weak at a skill in your company, I don't know, bug spraying or, uh, I don't know, or contracting stuff, someone's really bad at hanging sheetrock. What would you, knowing what you know now, how are you going to change how that person gets better at hanging sheetrock? You fire that. <laughs> <laughs> Ask them how they could do it more efficiently, or uh, I'm trying to think of how you could teach somebody just by asking them questions. Like, I guess the first thing you'd say is, okay, what do you need to hang sheetrock with? Okay. You know, a, a screw gun and, and screws. And once they get it done, what's the next thing you do? Like once they've hung the sheet rock? Yeah. Pull, pull somebody over to them mm-hmm. and say, hey, great job. I want you to teach Billy. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to have you teach them how to do sheetrock. Now, it may be the, the most horrible lesson and may have not communicated everything over, but your job is to stand there and watch it, correct anything that, that is incorrect about how to hang sheetrock, but you correct it with the guy who's teaching. Then that guy reteaches that section. It doesn't matter that that the guy that is attempting to be taught learns anything at all. It matters that the person that was teaching teaching learned 90% and he'll probably never forget. Ah, okay. I'm following you now. Dude, I 
I feel like a wasteful sack, man. <laughs> Just thinking into the business. <laughs> so something else that is pretty fundamental is you can't ever uh, not dissuade. You can't ever discourage people from trying. Trying. Even yeah. if they mess it up, you have to have enough trust and faith in the system and yourselves and the person. And tell them about Tyler. Yeah, I, that's what I was getting to. So <laughs> we build the culture of, hey, try. Like, if you think you can do something, try it. And obviously, there's some limits to this. So we had uh, a guy at the hotel, and the guy is one of our favorite people because he's just like thug life all the way. Like, but he's like Amish, I think. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I love that? this guy. What's, isn't there a song like the Amish Mafia or the Amish? Yeah, it's yeah. A TV show, yeah. gangster or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and so you know, but he really like bought into the whole philosophy of lean, and so he does all these great improvements. Well, he's doing some improvements in the bathroom, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm just gonna." cut this fart fan out to replace it right that's what it was supposed yeah. to be he's like i'm just gonna I do it to myself this hole i'm gonna grab a sawzall <laughs> so he takes the sawzall to the ceiling and he cuts right through the water oh, main <laughs> the hotel just starts blasting him in the face <laughs> and like he's probably panicked out of his <sighs> mind and you know it was an expensive lesson and it caused like three thousand dollars worth of damage yeah. holy crap yeah. but we didn't fire him we were just like yeah actually we we encouraged it be- and so there's two things that happened. The first thing is he was doing exactly as he was instructed and he was being creative. So never once did it ever cross our minds, let's punish him for this power, th- th- this water main issue, right? Um, the first thing we thought was, hey, let's get it fixed and let's figure out how we put a process in place that prevents people from doing it in the future but we didn't ever want to punish his creativity and his willingness to experiment mm-hmm. because you take a situation like that and you're like, Tyler, what the, what the heck? You know, you're yeah. not going to, then he's never going to do it. He's again. never going to do it ever again. And that's what's happened to all of us since the time we left preschool or you know, this is how we left high school or whatever it was. Yeah. There, the world stopped developing you and you were, t- you only learned every time you try something, you get smacked down. Yeah. And so yeah. you can never do that. And you don't only get smacked down by leadership. Or the company, you get smacked down by your peers. peers. My yeah. wife, brand new, graduated uh, out of Westminster as a nurse, went right into the Navy on her first commission. And um, she was so excited. I mean, she worked hard through ROTC, really, really um, strong-willed, driven person. Mm-hmm. And it was her first week on a new floor. She'd never worked with moms and babies in her life. And uh, she related one of the stories that one of the nurses in public like called her out and made her feel really stupid over Uh something over charting or something that she wasn't even aware of that she was doing Uh wrong and then went to their supervisor and like i don't want this girl doing charting for this population or whatever that stuck with my wife for six years in the navy and always was a thorn in her side she was always so scared of screwing up Uh or being like the person who didn't know enough that it drove her to like feel heavy anxiety most of her navy career off of that one person tearing her down instead of saying hey i see that this wasn't done how could you have charted better asking those questions you're new here let me teach you how this might work better and then i want you to show the new people coming on right and building that culture of trying it really made a massive negative impact on her so what and we i'm sure you guys have experienced something like that in your career path, right? Or in school or childhood. in yeah, child child yeah, talking about story of my life, man. Yeah, <laughs> Growing seriously. up. But you know what I mean. My dad's so, like, you little 
bastard. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You dumb, you know. Right. I'm just but it shuts part of your brain down and it's the part that wants to try and wants to invent and be creative. It's scientifically proven. It's kind of crazy. Now, speaking off of the human beings being designed to be creative and then coming on off the heels of the comment which is humans have learned to be shut down so we're not creative anymore. Well, let's talk about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So at the bottom is, you know, food, water, sex. I think sex is like twice. <laughs> yeah. And then up, up one sex is something else. <laughs> and then, you know, there's like friends and stuff like that. But at the very top is self-actualization, right? A lot of entrepreneurs that we have this drive and the spirit is we have self-actualization. And we're like, I just can't get people to take ownership. I don't know why my employees don't take ownership. I don't know, you know, whatever. But you're at, at self-actualization. Maybe the bottom tiers are mostly checked off. Um, and but you're getting to think of something and then have the creativity to dream and then try to execute on that thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone else, since the time that we've left, either you, you, you know, when you left high school or, or a, a youth pastor or you know, a Boy Scout troop, Girl Scout troop, once you left adolescence in the United States, this is most people have never had someone actually develop them ever again. And then they learned that the world will shut you down for being creative. Now you enter into your company. Your company is a two-second lean company. They don't know anything different. They, they come into it. You're changing. You're positive. You're con continuously encouraging them. Well, what would you do, Jim? And then Jim thinks, well, I would uh, move it to the left. And even though you know that you shouldn't move to the left, you say, Jim, why don't you go ahead and try it and see what happens? Yeah. And then when allow them to make mistakes. And then they make the mistake. And then you're like, okay, Jim, that was what did you learn? Okay, well, what else? Would, what's your next plan of action? You as the leader now develop them. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to a place not just for money. You're going to a place to, to feel, to be creative. What humans are really genuinely designed to do is to be creative and to try new things. And let me ask you guys this question. Where is the only place on earth that they get that? Where is the only place on earth they get that to be creative? In like, their own head. Okay, yes, but uh, more specific. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I was creative. I don't know. <laughs> from I, work. From working for you, for you for specifically. For a two-second lean company, yeah. So now you have these people who are addicted to coming to work, who are looking for that next thing to try, who have never been respected since the time they left, who have never had anyone develop them since the time they were in adolescence, maybe even before then. You have people from broken homes and broken families and broken backgrounds that you're developing and training them and then giving them the backing and courage to try new things and then rewarding them when they do it and they get paid. You have an unstoppable company and you as the leader gets to sit back and make sure that the framework keeps happening. That's actually what happens if you stick to the whole every morning you make one improvement that's two seconds and then you have a 45 minute meeting talking about it and you do it every day. It's that simple, but that's the science behind it, and that's largely what the book's about. I really hope we have people listening to this podcast. I hope that if they're getting value from this podcast, they're liking it, they're sharing it, because this this is an awesome podcast. I think the last time when we said that, but man, this is awesome. Jake's cool. about Jake's about to tear up. I'm about to cry, man. <laughs> this, is, this is just great. Uh, I want to backtrack way back back to the morning meetings when you were getting somebody to film the the eight waste and tell the story and show the improvement is everybody filming at this time and are you picking one person are you on a rotation of picking one person 
that that's kind of what my curiosity is is that implementation there so um the answer is it will depend on the size of your company because a sixteen thousand member company and a five person member company is very different mm-hmm. um i remember there was a gal who i worked with it was i was her manager and she worked uh, under me and I would give morning meeting one day and then she'd give it the next and then I'd give it one day and then she'd give it the next and I'd give it one day and then she'd give it the next and we just went back and forth because it was important to me that we we solidified that training. During morning meeting, everyone shoots improvements and they share them in the group chat. Who presents the morning meeting, the easiest way is to put it alphabetical because no one can fight it. Second easiest way is you guys as leaders, as the company, remember you lead by example and you get your your management on board, everyone leads it. Maybe it's you, then it's, you know, department A, department head, department B, department head, department C, department head. And then it just rolls right instantaneously into alphabetical. After everyone will fight you on it tooth and nail, they'll be like, I'm going to quit or else, you know, I'm not going up there to speak. I'd rather die. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, the door's over there. If you want to go find someone else to, that'll pay you not to do what was asked, but we're going to be doing this. The, they're going to go up. All their peers are going to do it. They're going to realize that they're not going to die. And then two weeks later, it's just a part of what you do. It's just a morning routine. It's nothing special. It almost sounds like I couldn't imagine anybody quitting, man. It just sounds like such a like a confidence booster almost yeah. when it's everybody. executed well and everyone's on board. 100 percent people don't really want or need to go somewhere else. And they, they really appreciate where they're at. We had Lisa and uh, one of our other uh, early. Well, I would say. She rose to fame because she was so afraid to even look at us and have a conversation in person. She just, we were the bosses. Uh-huh. That's it. She didn't think she had much to say. And now she is someone who runs an entire site wow. and runs awesome morning meetings, ha- presents very, very confidently. And She's the one calling, finding vendors, comparing prices, negotiating them yeah. down, all without our involvement. Right. <laughs> Knows the eight ways in and out, right? But this was all... It, it takes time. Processes take time to grow and people being committed to it. They see that, you know, you struggled a little bit and it's okay. And everyone jumped in to help. It's that group think, that group learn, like walking each other through it, learning your concepts better, celebrating the small wins. That's really the key is constantly celebrating those wins. And your job during, as the morning, during the morning meetings as the leader is to facilitate it, not to take over and lead the meeting. That's where most people make the mistake is they led the meeting. Well, now you're always in the 90% and your people are never in the 90%. Right, They're in the, yeah. the, the 10 to 30%. You bring the, every person who presents up to the 90% and they're teaching. And you're teaching them how to ask questions of their peers, which brings their peers to the 30%. And then as time passes and it just cycles through over and over and over, it's second second nature. So even when you first started, when it was just the two of you, did you guys do a morning meeting and you do the same thing and and, and uh, just rotate it daily and? Yeah, always a new improvement, always something. But he Hugh's all about building the mechanics behind whatever the process is, mm-hmm. so that you know neural network pathway. He wants that to be ingrained strong. So it's yeah. And then once we had one more employee, it was three of us cycling through it, four of us cycling through it. Then Doug and Lisa and everyone just got so good at doing it. It's like, I don't even have to prepare a morning meeting. I could run through it in the back, like it's written on the back of my hand. Right. And and honestly, uh, the foundation of the book was because I had to train Dane because I hired Dane and Dane was second in command and we had a site that was running already. And I didn't have to train Dane 
on what lean was. I knew he was going to get that because he recycled through the process. I had to train Dane about why it was important, what was actually happening, because what's happening is sneaky. And we're open about it too, by the way. Uh-huh. We're, no one knows that this is a secret. We, we're open about it. But secretly, we're training who's presenting. Everyone else gets the byproduct. Oh, and because you're going to go up and present here in a week or two, or you know, or a day or two, you're not going to be the, the the guy who is horse playing and, and not paying attention and texting on their phone because you don't like that when you're now in front of your peers and you're right. looking at nine faces. You didn't like that guy making those silly jokes and silly comments. And once they, because normally those guys are bullies and they have a small self-esteem. Uh-huh. Well, now all of a sudden you get this team environment, this team player, everything's super positive. Like a month goes by, a year goes by. Those people are completely developed in a different way for the better because lean is about developing people. One quick thing, new hires. I'm guessing your question is how quickly are people running these meetings? And it's usually one or two weeks after they're brought on. One or two weeks after they're brought Within on. Within one or two weeks, wow. they are running and presenting an entire morning meeting to the whole company. So they might see a week, week's <laughs> worth of like how that's done, and yeah. then all of a sudden... That's correct. And we tell them up front, we said, you get one week to see what's going on, and then you're going to do it. Don't worry. Everybody does it every day. You'll yeah. pick it up quickly. Because it's the culture about trying, not yeah. being afraid to try and fail, and fail and fail and fail until you get better and better and better, right? But how you reinforce this is the presenter for that day, their number one responsibility, and I want to say this for your listeners who want to try a system like this and to try to make it stick and actually make this thing work without the leadership having to pull teeth and like oversee everything, micromanage everything. The number one responsibility of the presenter for that day is to train the next presenter and help them complete their morning meeting right after morning meeting's done. So they, they literally take... 20 to 45 minutes and on company time to ensure that the next presenter is set up for success and that the meeting is not only made, but it's put in the right drive or wherever it's going to live. So let's say you're tomorrow, Jake, and I helped you walk through that. Well, Jake calls me in the middle of the night. I'm so sorry. I am sick as heck because I ate a bad, some bad guacamole. Well, you're right. And it happens and it is real. And so, the next day, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, the presenter is not there. What do we do? And that creates panic. Uh-huh. Well, if Jake already put his meeting together and I helped him, who's the best person to present that meeting? The guy that already presented the prior. Because I know how you put it together. I know the points that you wanted to talk about. Now, let's say I got sick. Both of us ate the same guacamole over lunch. <laughs> Anyone on the leadership team can log into your morning meeting, pop it up and present oh, it. You have it through a PowerPoint. So it's already, it's, it's our, like Google yeah. slides or whatever, but or yeah, it's PowerPoint. a shared PowerPoint. Gotcha. So yeah. it's a shared PowerPoint that already has probably the same stuff you always go over Correct. and they just have their yeah. little one page or two page slide where they input their stuff. Exactly. Right. So Monday morning, uh, this happens all the time. Monday morning. Light bulbs are going off boys. One Monday morning, we all showed up to the office and we have external teams. we got a lot of people who do meetings or whatever. And the people presenting just didn't show up on the meeting. It's like, what the heck? We couldn't hear. We didn't hear from them. There was no communication. So we log in, go into our drive, and their meetings pulled up. And we're like, well, they had done the meeting. That's weird. So we just jumped right into it. Meeting starts at eight. So we, I popped up and said, hey guys, I'll take this one. I had to put my meetings off uh-huh. for the last week or whatever because everyone, you and I, still do them. And uh, I was able to run an 
awesome meeting because they had everything. Everything was there. And then we find out their internet was down and they were up in Buffalo and they just couldn't connect and they're all freaking out. <laughs> but the meeting went on flawlessly. And when they jumped in, I was still able to continue to lead it as they would chime in because they had put all the improvements. That's awesome. What if you guys are going to be like on vacation or something and you can't be a part of the meeting? That never happens. We don't leave. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just... It just goes on. Uh, if someone takes PTO or they're taking, you know, they're going to Florida or taking their kids to Disney World or whatever it is, yeah. you just uh, tell our scheduler and then they just update the dates that so and so's out of the office. So it just yeah. goes or you off switch. You know, the old switcheroo, like, hey, I want this day off. You want to switch our days? It's the same with the morning meeting. You put it on them to organize a different presenter if they can't present. Oh, you're going to be out of town that week? Cool. I think you're on the meeting. Just find someone to switch or cover you. No. And if they don't, so one of us will because we're there and we don't care stepping in for good employees. Gotcha. I'm, I'm getting light bulbs too because I was telling Jake I've got iPads in, in our work trailers right. oh, that yeah. we keep track of stuff on. And so I'm like, man, we could totally Zoom this thing. Just yeah. pull, pull the iPads out and all have a group meeting. And we do that. Uh, the other day, uh, Nixa had a storm roll through and our, the power was out when we showed up. So for morning meeting, we just stood in the parking lot on my phone and we're still a part of the morning meeting that, that day. Yeah. Do you do you do this like okay? So I want to know how in depth you do this. So I've got W two employees, but would you go as far to do it with subcontractors that you bring in as well? Say, hey, if you're gonna be a sub for me, you're doing this two second lean. It would depend on my business. I would say anyone that you have one hundred percent control over and your business depends on how well they do things. Yes. Okay. If they're just a sub. Then I, I don't know. It depend, I, I just don't know. It depends well, on how they're a sub. In a perfect world, the answer is yes. If they're willing, you 100% teach them and draw them into the culture. And we work with a contractor who's been open to letting us come on his job site, teach them the fun, fundamentals of lean, eight wastes, and then really kind of decided, hey, where do they want to go as a contracting crew? How valuable would this be for them to run it on their own for their own teams? But they're always willing to learn from us, and we're willing to share knowledge 100%. Right. So for those of you who hadn't listened to the previous episode, I, uh, I'm a real estate investor. We, we have a real estate investing team and we depend on our contractor. Our contractor is open-minded and wanted to learn. So because he wanted to learn about two second lean, I gave him all the resources because it's going to directly benefit me as the end customer. If he has an empowered team and all the good things about two second lean, but if he, I have an other members of the core four that aren't on board. So I just, that's their business. That's their job. I'm not going to tell them how to run their business. And, um, and then I'll also, you know, maybe I'll keep in mind other replacements if, if something goes south with that company. Because I'm less confident in that company cause, because they don't have the systems and processes about continuous improvement than I am about my contractor, who I basically don't have a backup plan for because I'm so confident in his, his abilities. Where can you get that cheat sheet you were talking about for the eight ways, the eight second or the – the eight-way store. I can make it available for all, all email to you guys and maybe you guys can just make it available awesome. for download. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Well, one other thing for all of your listeners, I like to say viewers, but I guess it's listeners, <laughs> right? Um, anyone who wants to tune into our morning meeting, we open source it. So we let hundreds of outside companies just tune into our we morning whenever sure. they want. So we have get, we prepared our team, whether Hugh and I are there or not, if a guest pops in to run just like they would any other day. So we have random people popping in, Paul Akers himself, <laughs> and other awesome. huge, huge like company owners and uh -huh. um, industry uh, owners as well. They'll just pop in randomly. They'll just be a black square on the thing, and you have no idea who's <laughs> there. But anybody's welcome. 
we'll give you guys details on how to do that and connect with us to give you show you the mechanism in place like in real time perfect and we don't know we don't tell any of our team who's coming ever we're supposed to be inspection ready at all times so if paul Akers shows up and we have just a, a complete mess of a morning meeting paul's going to see that and our team knows that and so every day they make a pre preparation as if it could be who knows what so i have to go ahead dan you were oh, gonna I, was, I was gonna say and have we still mess up i mean it happens it's yeah. inevitable what we want that that um we want our team to never have that false sense of security like it's always going to be perfect and we'll tell you when people are showing up or whatever so it's be as prepared as you possibly can and we do it so many times that 90 percent of the time it, it goes off without a hitch gotcha but yeah so i have two questions and they're completely separate questions but i want to ask them both so i don't forget uh one is like okay so i want you guys to talk about this kaizen event what that is if there's a big problem that we know that needs to be created and how do you go about that if you were so focused on the two second improvement what if it's a larger scale um improvement that needs to be made that's one part of the question well we'll just do that and then i'll ask the second question okay before then do you guys want to hear from your sponsor break time <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> All right, we'll, I'll repeat the question so you can correct me if I'm incorrect. Oh, by the way, that's another tool is, hey, G, uh, you know, Jake, tell me what you think I told you so I know if I communicate it properly. So I'm going to tell you what I think I heard so that you can correct me if I didn't understand it properly. <laughs> so what the question was, I think, is, hey, you're focusing on these little things. What about when there's something serious? Tell me about Kaizen events. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. There's two answers or kind of there's two parts to that. The first part is many big things will go away when you focus on all the little things. That doesn't eliminate all of them. That just eliminates most of them. Um, after a long period of time and you have, do you think it's going to be more or less useful to have, how many people are in your company? Uh, we've got four counting myself right now and two part-time that would be hiring soon so would it be uh more or less beneficial to have just you being able to think clearly through a situation or to have six people being able to think well, clearly that's, through that's a, a no-brainer <laughs> i mean me clearly no, <laughs> <laughs> no the six people right <laughs> so it's a lot of the times you'll see these big problems morph and become smaller and smaller as you take on the little things over time but you're going then you're going to be hit with the big glaring one or two that you have to do a kaizen event for mm -hmm. totally fine to do a kaizen event just don't make it your focus that shouldn't be your tool when i did that big kaizen event in uh china in shanghai we took that thing from 22 days to two to three hours we had to spend twenty thousand dollars the main reason is because we didn't we had to run power lines and water lines and, and take walls out and do all this stuff and there was, so it, there was a lot of involvement however it was really easy because we already had something like seven or eight months or maybe close to a year of two second lean under our belt so it wasn't just me calling the shots it was me and the managers it was me and the workers who will be in that space where do you think your desk should be where do you think this machine should be what if that product goes away can we repurpose it or move it somewhere else that was only able to be done because we had the, the repetitions and the practice of little improvements and the only thing i'll add to that is hugh's getting at um understanding the essence of what that big problem is and it's usually the 300 problems that led up to it so it's asking why five times 
why is that a problem? Why? And he'll go through this whole event, right, with one your face with more of like a boulder-sized obstacle. Here's, uh-huh. a, here's an example of one. Uh, why is there oil in my driveway? Oh, because my car's leaking. Why is my car leaking? Oh, because they used a poor gasket. Well, why did they use a poor gasket? Oh, because middle management was instructed to save money, and so they went with a cheaper material and saved five cents. Well, why did they do that? Well, because they didn't know that quality was the fastest way to things. And why did I? Why is my car leaking oil when it's a Tesla? So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because it's not a Toyota. Right. <laughs> That's so funny. But understanding truly, like the roots of the the problem mm-hmm. is will. So you're not just going to go spend 20 grand to fix some machine. You'll fix all the crap that led up to that machine breaking. Your team will because they'll have the best ideas. And then you'll spend the 20,000 so it never happens again. Right. Gotcha. Most, yeah, to, to, to rephrase what Dane was saying is almost all the fires you guys are fighting are the symptoms of the root cause. And you guys, we rarely actually take care of the root cause. So when you practice, deep practice every day, of, hey, make my job a little bit easier. What are the eight ways? Make my job a little bit easier. What are the eight ways? Now you have five or six people in your company looking that way at everything they do. First off, most of the properties just disappear. But the second thing is, now when you do tackle the big issues, you guys can ask the real questions. Is it even worth it for us to carry that product? Do we wanna just sell that machine? Uh, I have a question for you guys. You just You made me think of something. In the meetings, uh, when everybody's doing the two-second lean, are you as the owner doing the two-second lean too and trying to find a two-second improvement? Yes. Every day uh, we participate. We are also in the cycle for uh, morning meetings to go up there. The number one failure point I see is that the leader is the one that's always leading the morning meeting. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be one of the first things that you need to sidestep. Everyone needs to be... Uh, leading the morning meeting, you're just some guy that's a part of that process. I think we should highlight this because I think it's important as a leader to be the example, right? Because like me being the person that loves, I've come to love to delegate. I'm like, oh yeah, we could just delegate this out. I don't have to do this. I'll just delegate it out to my management. I'm sure that's not the wise thing to do. You cannot delegate lean. And that's one of the biggest biggest pitfalls of American style lean that started in the 80s was when they started using lean as a tool for efficiency and not as a culture building thing. Because when you have six employees that are fully culturally engaged, that are at Maslow's five, as far as Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that are getting their uh, their uh, effort and, and their creativity outlet from work, that it's, it's almost like, oh, I'll go back to, to, uh, to uh, good to great, I think, it was like Nucor only puts places, only puts factories where there are farmers because you can teach a farmer how to smelt steel, but you can't teach a farmer's work ethic, right? <laughs> and so they, 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 they hire five people, pay them, work them like 10, pay them like eight, and everyone's happy. And you're going to get that kind of commitment and results from, from everyone being paid more, being able to do far more. Gotcha. Real quickly, what is, what is a Kaizen event? Uh, and then after you answer that and talk about that a little bit, let's hop into exactly how your morning meeting structured. Yeah, uh, Kaizen event, it's pretty simple. It's just a Japanese term where they sit under 
cherry blossom trees and drink tea and <laughs> relax together. It's it's nice. Uh, <laughs> Sounds great. So the word kaizen um, it just means to make better or to make to, to make it means continuous improvement. Continuous improvement is what it is. Um, but a kaizen event is where you normally would stop an entire process. You'd stop a whole department, and then you would bring everybody together or at least key problem solvers together. Usually it's the department head or maybe the owner or division head, depending on the size of your company. And then everyone sits there and thinks about mass organization or maybe these machines should be here. Maybe we should add power there. Maybe, uh, you know. Moving the big boulders all at once. So like this whole process needs to be realigned we are going to move machines, redesign departments, how people come into spaces, how they go out of space. I mean, it's a big, huge lean event. Gotcha. Right. It's basically just a very large scale of what you should be doing every morning. But um, yes. And, and, and they drink tea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they can be very disruptive. So you want to use them sparingly. Disruptive gotcha. as in, okay, you did that. It took a week. Now, you've, now you're a week behind on your orders. All right. But then it's also a catch-22. If I don't do this, how, far, how much further will I fall behind? Right. So you got to be tactical about it. Gotcha. Uh, so let's talk about the structure of your morning meetings, like exactly what it looks like, the breakdown of it, like some things you go through. Um, and, and I'm assuming there, there is some creativity with this, right? You can adapt some different stuff into your morning meetings. Uh, but talk us through it, like your morning meetings. If you would, hit, hit your structure for the week too because I know you said you do some stuff at the end of the week. Okay, yes. Before I do that, well, hold on. There's something about morning meetings, or sorry, about 3S time that I didn't uh, communicate earlier. It's why, but I can just do that now as we go into it. So here's a normal morning routine. So we start at 0730 with a quick one to two minute meeting on a Zoom call. Check-in. And it's a check-in. A, you're verifying that everybody's okay, all the sites are good, everyone's at work. And then B, you roughly go over what our 3S focus of the week is. And during that time, they will then do it. So for instance, this week, ours was video SOPs. You take your phone out, you record how to change a light bulb. That's the focus. Everyone gives an example. What are the three S's? I don't think we highlighted that. That's a fantastic question. So we call it 3S time. 3S is a shortened version of 5S, which is known in the lean communities, but we don't care about the other ones. So it's sweep, sort, and standardize. Sweep doesn't mean actually sweep, though it can, but it means clean. But you should think of sweep more like a SWAT team entering a room. You bust in the door and you're sweeping the room for problems and threats. That's sweep. You are looking, so so during the work, during that 3S time, you are not allowed to work. You can only sweep your work area for threats to your day. What, well, I trip over not only those things, but what's gonna slow me down? What isn't labeled right, right? Then there's sort. Sort does not mean organize, although most people get hung up on it meaning organize. Sort is a strategic form of organization where you sort most used to least used closest. If you use it all day or once a day, it needs to be on your work surface. If you use it one to two times a week, it needs to be in a drawer or that's right near there or maybe hanging on a shelf above you. If you use it less than that, but maybe once a month, maybe it's on the bottom drawer, bottom cabinet. And if it's used less than once a month, that needs to be, I don't care where it's at. It can be in the storeroom. It can be in the next building over. Wow, I'm getting all these ideas about even just like my kitchen and my house, my right. office at home. 
my desk at home. So that one, well, what you're going to, you would take a video of that and share that with the entire company, those improvements yeah. as the, you get those ideas. People love seeing Cause those. I was thinking about just even some of the, the stuff we regularly use. Like I'm thinking like my pots and pans, right? When we're cooking, they're, yeah. they're on the bottom shelf. That's a, that's a pain. Yeah. There's a, I can't remember who has, it. I think it's uh Thomas Reiner, the lean farmer. And he's got a video of his kids. He taught two second lean to, and his kids were like, Hey dad, the food is directly above the dishwasher. The pantry is basically directly above the dishwasher and the dishes are on the other side of the sink. Can we move the dishes to directly above the dishwasher so we don't have to take those extra steps and move the food over? So these are like, I don't know, probably 12, 12 year olds. Wow. That are thinking at that high level. Yeah. That's actually what is actually holding all of our companies back. It's not whatever you think your company does. Your pots and pans. That's three S time stuff. 100%. Hey, I realize this bugs me. I have to reach down every time I cook, but it's the thing I use the most. Why wouldn't I find a better place for those? Right. That's what 3S is for. You're not cooking for your job, right? Let's say you were a cook, uh -huh. right? Well, cooking is your job. Finding a better place for your pans and your workstation is the prime example of 3S gotcha. because it benefits what you do for the rest of the day. I so feel I like we haven't highlighted standardized yet, but yeah. when you guys are doing this, this is what you're looking for for what the improvement. You're like, what's bugging me? Okay, it's going to be something to do with sweep, sort, standardized. Correct. Is that right? Is that the yeah. process? And we have a sweep, sort, and standardized template we follow. We're, we're really roughing it out right now, but it's exactly that. During the, the 30 minutes, all right, so for you, your truck guys, they're going to go out on a job site and then they're going to do, do X, Y, Z. All right, what's their central console look like? What's their toolbox look like? Is, hey, when I, I always park like this and I'm always entering this, this cabinet first. That cabinet should contain what I grab. But I probably have either because of um, the, just how I purchased them or space constraints that created it to where this thing that I never use is actually taking up my prime real estate. Okay, so during 3S time that morning, everyone take everything out of that entire bay side. Now we're gonna rearrange it for most use to least used. You know what we found? We're carrying five bottles of this stuff and you know what? One bottle will keep, will get us through three days. We're gonna leave the other three back home. Cool, we just freed up even more space. But you're probably going to find that you've got five bottles of that stuff that you don't use and you've been hauling it to every job site. Oh, and then what you need is always under that. In, in doing 3S, we did this with the hotel that we took down. You want to talk about waste and thing, we had cleaner in there that they hadn't used from probably since the 80s. They were like, we don't know what it is. It just sat in the back of the cleaning shelf, but it was on the prime real estate cleaning shelf. But no one thought to clean it out and no one knew if they could because they had no idea, right? You're a new employee. You're like, I think it just goes there, but no one ever touched it. So every single company, every industry has things like this just sitting there. A pot or a pan never used, right? Right. Cleaning supply never used. Some sort of tool or whatever. Clipboards with paperwork from the 90s or who knows what. Plastics, all kinds of things. Always in your way. The junk drawer. Every work oh has, you know, every, every house has a junk drawer. Every work has like a junk drawer in every department. Yeah. And a junk, you know, if we look at our center consoles of all the work trucks, I'm sure they're full of exactly what you need and it's super simple to get to them but no but so then the last one's standardized standardized is to make uniform or to make the same so some of so it'd be easy if you have multiple work trucks then every truck has the same equipment you have the same things in the same place but the real thing is standardizing your processes hey every site does this the same 
Step one is this. Step two is this. Step three is that. And we can pull cross training time. So the, the first 30 minutes when people show up at work, the first thing to do after the check-in meeting is they three yes their area. That's the time of the day that they're allowed to move their pots and pans. That's the time of the day that they make it easier for them to get to the, the equipment. That's the time of day that they say, you know what, today I'm gonna be hanging sheetrock, but I brought all my tools. I'm just gonna take out the four or five things I need to hang sheetrock. So they're just 3Sing their day. They're 3Sing their day. And, the, and uh, every and that's day. at 7.30 for the first first part of the day. Correct. Okay. And and are they, is everybody doing this individually or like is maybe they're collectively working on like, maybe it's one cabinet where all the product is. Are they working as teams, individuals? It, it, it's whatever you deem necessary. Okay. So if you have a team lead, maybe they'll say, guys, today we're going to do just truck A. Truck one, we're going to get it all knocked out. Maybe you, you're going to not, you're going to blow, blow through all the stuff that really bothers you. And then it'll be individual stuff, you know, six months later, a year later, it'll just be everybody working on individual things. Now, one important thing we didn't mention about 3S time, we're going to go into uh, physiology again. What's going on in the brain during 3S time, we're going to talk about dopamine and serotonin. This is why people have shopping addictions. How many people you know, or maybe just me, I'm like, man, I really want that new gun. I'm going to research that new gun. I'm going to dream about it. Oh my gosh, I know all the specs about it. And in this plant in 1987, this guy had one arm and it makes that kind better. All right, so now, now, now I go to, so I have dopamine. It's driving me, driving me to accomplish that thing. Well, I click buy, it shows up, I get it. I throw it in my safe, never think about it again. Now I'm, so what happens there is serotonin. Serotonin calms you down from the dopamine and it leaves you craving more dopamine. So you have 3S time every morning and you have a guy that says, all right, I'm gonna move my pots and pans because I'm a chef. And then the first thing they do is they complete that task. And now their pots and pans are slightly easier. Well, when they were, they set the goal to move their pot and pans, they had a dopamine hit. Then they accomplished that goal before morning meeting and they had a serotonin hit, which brought them down now, it's the very first thing you did that day. Now, the rest of the day, they're craving and more dopamine. It's That reminds me of, I don't know if you, I haven't read the book, but I've seen his speech. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL uh, admiral. Exactly. It's the same guy. Make the bed, right? Make the bed. And you make your bed first because that's the one easy thing you get knocked out, you feel accomplished, you get that spike of dopamine, and then it just kind of snowballs. Well, people say you, you get the dopamine hit. It's not that you got dopamine. That's incorrect. It's really? that you got dopamine, you accomplished it. And you had serotonin bring you down, which leads you to get more dopamine. Gotcha. So strategically, that's what we're forcing our employees to do when we do 3S time every day. But it's to help their, them solve their own job. And then they get that more gratification because later when they actually go to hang that sheetrock, they're like, heck yeah, this was so easy. I did that two weeks ago. Good job, me. What's the next thing that bothers me? We're probably getting dopamine right now. Going over all this. You are. <laughs> I, I'm constantly joking. I'm like, thanks, past Dane, for setting future Dane up for success. Because <laughs> you'll do things later that you're like, man, this was so much better. Yeah. And it's like giving yourself a past high five, you know. So, so pretty cool. So we're at the 30 minutes. The They 3S their day. They go through the sweep, sort, standardize. Um, it's, the biggest, it's the biggest fight that you're going to have. You're, and, you're, and they're not doing all three necessarily in one. It could just be just one. Yeah, what we call we just kind of generally call it three S time. Okay. Um, other companies call it lean and clean. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is does involve cleaning. Like you had the work day and then things get out of hand, so you didn't put your pans, pots and pans back, or you didn't. Or your work desk. 
constantly gets cluttered and you're like today I'm cleaning the clutter putting it where it needs to be and that's gonna set me up dude I just am like imagine if you implemented this in your home like I'm just I mean cuz I've got kids too and I'm just thinking about yeah. All this, anyway. Kids love this, yeah. by the way. Jake's Kids. about to be a lean green machine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 30 minute, they 3S their day, then... And this is the part that you're going to get the pushback from. This is going to be your guys who are like, well, I've been doing it since 81, and you ain't going to tell me how to do that thing. You know, so like, <laughs> then those people, they either need to say, hey, you know, you find another job, or they'll come around, mm -hmm. but you can't let them stick around and be toxic. Um but they'll think it's a waste of time because they don't know. So your job is to develop them to, to the point where they either fully understand what's going on and the why and why, why it's important, uh, or make the hard choice to either move them to a different position or let them go because they, they shouldn't be on your team because they're gonna bring down the rest of your team. It'll, I've seen it happen. One guy will just ruin it really, really quickly. That's when you jump right into the morning meeting yeah. is where yeah. you're getting at, right? Yeah. So it's that 3S, everyone's feeling good and you roll right into that morning meeting, everyone's happy to be there. It is visual. So like we said, it's Google Sheets or it's PowerPoint, it doesn't matter, but you create the template for the company and that template can be altered by every presenter. So they log in every single day and put in their improvements, update the slide that it's supposed to be on, the principles. We teach, you know, Edward Demings, we talk about his principles, we talk about uh, principles of Paul Akers and then we incorporate some of our own company values and we walk through about a 30 minute morning meeting and it's for the presenter to learn to teach to then gotcha. internalize everything so let me I and, and I think I'm having a disconnect here so if everybody's doing the 3s time correct um, at 30 minutes for 30 minutes are and they're filming that at the time so they're filming the beginning like this is what it looked like before mm -hmm. and then filming like this is what it looks like now correct talking through that improvement right now they just took the time to film that but we're only picking one of all of those to go up on the so everybody films every day and they'll still put hey guys i'm jim uh you know uh, this department and I, I this is what i did i moved the duct tape from over here to over here okay and then they post it and we have a group chat in our company and everyone just puts are their... you using slack for group chat or like what are you using for your group chat it's signal Okay. Signal is whatever curious, works so. for yeah, everyone. Okay. Slack is perfect because it's searchable. So if you want to use Slack, that's great. Okay. Now all of it's there. There's a there's a record of it. You also have the positive peer pressure from all of your peers who are submitting videos. Then you're like, oh crap, Jim, Nancy, and Paul submitted a video, and I haven't submitted my video yet, and I know it's going to come up more. So each one individually records what they're doing on their phone the whole time that they're doing. Not it? the whole time. I mean, okay. just, just, just something the before that, and after. Yeah. yeah, and it should be short, like 10 seconds, 30 seconds. Sometimes okay. it's just a picture. It, oh, okay. It, and okay. then they also will be keeping a log. So when it's their turn to present, they'll have plenty of material to reference and just take that thing and gotcha. then present so it. So they're the not company. necessarily presenting on the thing they did that day. No. It could be from previous. Correct. Now, are you as a company keeping a catalog of all this content in a, in a spot? We have a uh, YouTube site. It's offline so people can't see it, but it's mm. all of our internal improvements. And those internal improvements are what allows us to, uh, A, we have SOPs. For instance, this morning we had somebody, there's a weird light that we have at one of our properties. And so his, his improvement was, here's an SOP, a standard operating procedure of how to change this light bulb. And so now we have that forever. So instead of sending someone out to explain it, uh -huh. and if we hire someone new in the future, just watch the video. Here's the video. Boom, yeah. you got it. And we have this reservoir of knowledge because the standard is use our everyone has a login on their phone, uh -huh. use our YouTube channel 
to log in and now all of a sudden you've got and so i'm gonna you have a process to even sort that and organize that too and i'm assuming it's in just like by playlists date. Or, or just by date it's just okay. by date but we can some of the the ones that are really good we can cherry pick and put them in playlists gotcha and if, if we know they're specifically an improvement versus sop we do have definitely a place for sops so mm -hmm. all the sops go in files that can be grabbed by department if it's just an improvement it's just to be shared and enjoyed by everybody gotcha. okay. we have uh like for instance double bucket uh, one site came up with a double bucket it's what cleaners use in a hotel to clean things and someone came up with a double bucket improvement okay cool well that improvement we then liked so now now the, the following 3s day every site standardized to that improvement god then later somebody else comes up with a better improvement or some product changes so the shape doesn't fit anymore then you update the standard and then you have really quick ripples that go through your company. Gotcha. Okay, so now, so we're back to the visual, the visual meeting, right? Yep. Then, what, like, tell us some of the things that are in your guys' template that you walk through during this time. So we have a template. It changes. So from the time that you speak, uh, you're asking us now. We'll just provide you one that you can go download and look through. But effectively, at the beginning, we have some stretching in there. We then have a quote of the day. We have a countdown timer. Great. We we have uh, who's going to be present at the next meeting. We have gratefuls, which is everyone says, not everyone has to, but there's a section where you say what you're grateful for that day. Yeah. I want to ask you about that because I've seen the video of you guys doing that. And I freaking love that because uh, I really think gratitude, if you could have that one uh, feeling mm -hmm. and contain just stuff comes towards you. I mean, it gravitates towards you. And it's impossible to be upset and thankful at the same time. So yeah. if you have the opportunity to you know someone's coming in from a bad day or they're late or they're frustrated and then they get to the grateful section and they think of something to say you know whatever it is even if they don't have anything to say somebody else might say something like you know what i am grateful for that yeah now you've set that person up for just one more possibility of having a good so day does everybody say something they're grateful for or they don't have to it's not forced um there's some open for like a certain amount of time like yeah. We do what it by yeah, we do it by site because we have five sites. So we'll oh, be okay. like, hey, you know, this site, what do you guys, nobody else? Cool, next site. And then the presenter always says there's last. So the only person that has to have a grateful is who's presenting. Gotcha. And, okay. that, and then that kind of moves on. So these meetings, they don't, these meetings, they don't have to be 30 minutes long if you have smaller employees. It could be like 10 minutes. Yeah, it can be real short. It okay. just depends on, if you listen to everything that I say and copy it exactly, you will fail. So you got to take it, try it, experiment, and figure out what works for you and your company. Right. Uh, there's big companies, small companies. But moving on with that, we also have a raving fans section. And then we have an improvement section. We have the, the waste of the day. Hey, guys, my waste of the day today is motion. Here's an example of the motion involved in stocking a vending machine. And then they have that. And then they have the eight-way story. Then they have the raving fans. So the raving fans wow. section is where we – give an opportunity to people on the team to say thank you of someone else that did something to help them out. Yeah. Wow, in, that's in cool. Well, there's two types of fans, right? There's the external. Uh -huh. and that two would types be, of customers. Yeah, two types of customers. Um, and one being obviously external. The things you're grateful for, the outside vendors, mm -hmm. they do a great job. Well, you're also, you have your internal customers, which is who you work with. Mm -hmm. If you're a raving fan of someone on your team and they did something awesome or they pulled their weight or they jumped in and took your meeting, that's the time that you call it out in front of everyone and say, hey, Jake stepped up. Gosh. I couldn't log in can, this morning, 
And man, he knocked it out of the park. Jake, you are a team player. Thank you, and everyone cheers. I can't like, imagine Ooh. what this would do for your culture. It's just, I mean, this yeah. is that's this is awesome. I've got one question. So, like, Jake, you're going to have some part-time employees and stuff. If your part-time employees are not there in the morning, how do you arrange that? It would behoove you to have them, to pay them to be there to do that or figure out some way where they can be involved. We have a night shift guy. And the night shift guy isn't there, but he still makes the morning meeting and he'll film and present nice. it. And then the next morning we'll watch what he presented. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Nice. So even if it's a day off, they're still in participating in the morning meetings. If Well, it, it depends because you got to work around your schedule and things are different. Um, but my thing would be, well, can they, can they come in the morning? What's the real purpose? Unless you're in retail, there's not really a need for you to have someone that can't come in in the mornings. Right. right. And we all got phones, so they can even log in and yeah. just participate or listen to people doing it, especially if they're going to be working that day. Well, that morning they would still log in and hear it and throw in some comments or whatever. Yeah, and with the hotel, we had afternoon shift folks that would log in, present. We'd pay them for the hour they were there. And then when they showed up for their work day, they would then do 3S time and then go into their, their job. So it's, it's really about tying them into the full-blown company culture. Now, if you're a 16,000 person company, then the beginning of each shift and you have you know, shift work, three shifts a day, then that's its own morning meeting with its own person. And there are successful companies that do that, but their entire schedule is adjusted for that. Gotcha, okay. So you do this throughout the lifetime of a company, no matter what, day in, day out. If Every this day. is a 100 year company, you're doing it Every 365 day. days, 300 years. I, yeah, I tell people, I say, we will do this until we close our doors for good. And wow. you won't close your doors for good because the entire company is focused on developing each other and continuous improvement. And you're watching what the world is doing. You're, you're not being uh, pro or reactive to the world. You're being proactive. Hey, guys, we developed this. Here's a critical thinking. Did you guys know that this XYZ is happening? We can't, maybe next week we can't get drywall anymore. What can we do? We should go ahead and place that bulk order beforehand. You're constantly thinking. Gotcha. I love this. So after the visual part of the meeting, is there anything else to the meeting? We finish on two things. Uh, we finish the slide on dashboard announcements. That's when we then talk about company-wide announcements and only company-wide announcements. Okay. After that, the very last slide. Oh, two. Okay. Well, we also have like our kind of tier, team cheer where we say, let's work. We have this great slide and it says, work hard, stay humble. And we've crossed uh -huh. it out and it says, let's work smart stay humble. and stay humble. stay humble. So everyone chants it out loud, you know, and it kind of gets everyone feeling good. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say this almost feels like a work smarter, not, or, uh, yeah, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. yeah. On like cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they, again, see that you've crossed out hard. Uh -huh. Let's work smart. Let's uh -huh. stay humble. And the last thing is we divide into battle plans. You put up a screen. It shows like the dividing lines of like mm -hmm. a battle zone and that individual yeah. teams, this won't be company wide. This uh -huh. will be your department, your department separate, and then they can create battle plans for the day and get on with what they need to do. We gotcha. have five locations. So that's when that, that location actually pops off and they talk about work this entire time. We've not talked about work. We didn't talk about what we're going to do that day. We didn't talk about who's checking in. We didn't talk about the wedding party. We didn't talk about so-and-so is almost out of liquid or, you know, whatever cleaning cleaner. We, we, that is to have, we do that at battle plans. And then that is offsite with each person. If you are, you know, Jake, if you got five trucks and each truck's out a different site, that's when you have your crew of three people talking about what they need to do that day and to get accomplished. 
Gotcha. That's when battle plans take place. And then it ends. I, I love how you structure this because me being in the military, like there's a, it reminds me of a lot of things. Cause like when we, when I was in Afghanistan, we'd have missions, right. And you'd have what they call an op order, mm-hmm. which was your mission plan. And we'd go through that. And then even before you went out on the mission, we did like basically battle plans. And we'd like sometimes even role play, like making <clears throat> sure our ammo's in the right spot, making sure we're, uh, movement and our fire teams is like spot on or yeah. like all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, and, and you do that per site, per department. You don't take up the entire company's time to talk about truck fours role playing because not everybody needs to know about truck fours role playing. Right. However, if truck four comes out with some awesome role playing thing, they film it and it makes its way on the next morning meeting. And then you can decide if you want to standardize it, Gotcha. but you're not going to hold the whole company hostage. That's why most companies hate meetings because everyone's talking about something that doesn't apply to them. Right. Because you do this every single day, there is all the meetings are short. You're really, truly developing them. There's not very many fires to fight. You can also make changes quickly in a company. You don't have to spend weeks and months. You can find like the best path forward. New employees are the best of this. We love new hires because uh-huh. they'll see something that over a year of lean, we just didn't catch. Uh-huh. They're like, why don't you guys move all the stuff from that top shelf down to the bottom? If you're talking about reaching and we're like, it's a great idea, Liza. <laughs> and then we put it into place a practice and it becomes the standard moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that new person's like day one, I made an improvement and the whole company changed. And then now they do that. And they value me. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I love those moments. So um, John had asked about a weekly meetup. There's, that's more um, your team leadership, your, your company leadership. Before we get into that, I'm going to summarize after what, one of the things that happened during the morning meeting. Something I like to call the short feedback loop. You started the day. And remember, we've been talking like 40 minutes about something that happens over about 40 minutes. But this is the important <laughs> thing. So in the morning, you have the first touch-based team meetings. They then roll out information to the whole team. The team then does it. Then they reunify during morning meeting. And then at dashboard announcements, you have the opportunity to, um, to have information go to the whole team. Then everyone sticks around for battle plans. At battle plans section, the team has the opportunity to tell the site leads feedback. And then the following morning, there's the, the team meeting that then rolls all the information back up. So you have information flow from the the top of the company to the bottom of the company back to the top of the company every single day and it allows you to be to pivot on a dime daily which is why if you know if truck four comes up with an improvement within a week every site has the improvement because you had to wait for stuff to come in from amazon purchase and so it's extremely extremely quick reaction time because you actually have a pulse on what's happening and why whereas most companies don't ever do that. Once a quarter, they'll sit in a boardroom and then it'll waste a half a day of time. Everybody won't get anything out of it and there'll be so much to do when you leave the boardroom that it'll take you, you're going to forget half of it and then you're going to be back a quarter later talking about the same things. And I, and I think you heard me re- reference our HQ team huddle. Mm-hmm. So Mondays is our strategy, right? Like after our battle plans at HQ, we get into it and we try to solve all of our biggest problems between 9 a.m. and noon. Okay. which is a big tall it's a tall order yeah. right and we just go after it so that the rest of the week can go really really smooth do that every monday every, every monday, monday is for what is that two or three hours really realistically it's like from nine to ten but we we, uh, we allocate the entire morning to getting it done gotcha yeah and whatever it takes all hands on deck 
things firing in every direction and it gets pretty crazy or, or move, it's very quick moving. And once we do that, Friday is when we do the personal team huddle, the Hansei, the looking back. How could we have done it better, faster? Did we step and on anyone? And that's only management, right? Like upper level? or is Team that leads. Or team leads, yeah. Team leads. And, I mean, that could be department specific. We just have okay. a smaller HQ, so we do it HQ specifically. Uh-huh. But it shows them that, one, we're invested in the culture. Two, that despite everything that's happened that week, we care to hear how it went for them uh-huh. in their perspective. It's more for them to check in with us and say, hey, this is where we failed or this is what was frustrating for me or our communication just needs to be better because you threw a lot on us and we had no clue how to get this mm-hmm. done. And that's how we improve from there. Gotcha. So. Yeah, so we still do the morning meeting. After that, we go into these things. And so, and Hansei is a Japanese term that means to look back with deep regret at what we could have done better. So we do the Hansei on Friday and then Monday we do basically steering the ship. Most of us as uh, entrepreneurs pre-lean you're fighting a lot of fires continuously and you hit it hard on Monday fighting all the fires that happened over the weekend. But instead, we don't allow that to happen. We start Monday by steering the ship and being thoughtful about what we will allocate our time to. Then the rest of the the week, we knock those things out. Then at the end of that week, we then talk about what, how we did and if we needed to change or if there was a roadblock or if we were missing a piece of equipment. And then we start the next day on Monday referencing the Hansei from the week before. So rarely are we engaging in firefighting. And if there is a firefighting operation that pops up, it's all hands on deck because there's only the one fire because everything else we're semi on top of. This is awesome. I I, I think we're going to end here just because there's still so much more we want to talk about. We haven't even (laughs) talked about getting into, you know, the recruiting process, which is fantastic. I I luckily got to talk to you about it off off the podcast, but – um, we're, maybe we'll bring you guys back on for another one at some point or something. We could probably talk just an hour about the recruiting process. Yeah, wow. we might have to do that. <laughs> this stuff's awesome. If you uh, and you are consulting on Two Second Lean, right? Yes. So if people are interested, they can reach out to you via. So we have a website called hillbilly-millionaire.com, and uh, it basically breaks out. If you want to book us for an event for a speaking engagement, if you want to book us on sites, if you want to just do a video consult. And, and we do national, but also international travel. So we have sites, Ireland and other places, and we're, our team's geared up. So when we have to step out to do those, the company can run in our stead. And then we also have a YouTube channel called Hillbilly Millionaire, where I take mundane around the house tasks or, or business owner tasks. And I try to teach two second lean from that. So that's another, and he makes it pretty fun. Uh, you get to see him in a speedo. So definitely check that out. (laughs) (laughs) Well guys, thanks for coming on. This has been awesome. Uh, really enjoyed it. John, you got anything before signing off? I'm mind blown. I've already figured out so much stuff that needs to be like addressed now. Like, that's what I feel like my day is going to be like focused on now is just addressing everything. It's like reading the Rich Dad Poor Dad of how to run a business. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's awesome. Thanks again, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Growth Circle Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, connect with Jake and John on Instagram at Jake Ingledew and at John underscore the underscore builder. Until next time.